Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 837 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Marla. She has diabetes, Hashimoto's, something going on with her kidneys, and another thing that I can't pronounce. So why don't we wait till we get into the episode for you to find out about that. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. And for those of you who are getting ready to skip through the ads, I've got a new advertiser today and they have a 35% off coupon code for you. So maybe don't touch that button so quick. If you have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1 diabetes and are a U.S. resident, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox Join the registry, complete the survey, and when you finish that survey, you'll be helping diabetes research to move forward. It's super simple, completely safe, and you'll really be helping. That link again is t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. It really does just take like 10 minutes. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has you covered for your bedding, bath, and sleepwear needs. There has been a Cozy Earth product on Oprah's favorite things list for five years in a row. I'm going to tell you all about the sheets that I'm sleeping on right now a little later, but for now, here's what you need. CozyEarth.com, and when you check out, use the code JUICEBOX to save 35% off your order. What'd I just say? 35%. 35%. So if you spend a dollar, you save 35 cents. You understand? $2.70. You understand the math of this. It's a fairly significant amount of money. They have a ton of stuff. It is all incredibly comfortable. I will tell you more about it later, like I said, but for now, CozyEarth.com, 35% off at checkout with the code JUICEBOX. It's all one word, J-U-I-C-E-B-O-X. The podcast is also sponsored today by Touched by Type 1. This is a wonderful organization that I'm talking about. Just go to their website and check out what they're doing for people. Touchedbytype1.org. No bull. You understand what I'm saying? It's a, a small group of dedicated people helping others with type 1 diabetes. Check out their initiatives like the D-Box program and Dancing for Diabetes. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Touched by Type 1. They'll warm your heart. Take five minutes today to feel better at touchedbytype1.org. My name is Mar, and I am um, diagnosed with LADA uh, five years ago. How old are you? I will be 56 later this year in October. That's a good, that's a good age. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Better than not. You know, you and I have a lot in common, Mar. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you just say your name differently because of an accent or am I saying Marla and I shouldn't be? No, no. I, a lot of people call me Mar. My name is Marla, but a lot of people call me Mar. So either one's fine. Oh, Mar, you're Mar. Okay. Um, <laughs> 56, Lada for five years? Five years now. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Tell me how they explained Lada to you. Well, it was kind of a long process because I was told five years prior to the diagnosis date 
that I had uh, type two. So it started with my primary care doctor saying, you know, your blood sugar is a little elevated. I think you're pre-diabetic, start watching your diet, you know, try to get more exercise. And um, I have two friends that are type two, two close friends. And so I just started doing what they were doing. And um, that went on for a while, about a year. And then she said, okay, now you're diabetic. And she added metformin. And over the next probably four years, you know, I really, I struggled. I mean, I did everything my friends were doing. Their numbers were really good. Mine just slowly kept rising. And my doctor kept saying to me, you know, I would tell her, I, I promise you, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And it, I, I don't know why it's not working. And she would say, well, don't worry. I know you're trying. I think yours is autoimmune anyway. But, you know, when she said that to me, I didn't understand what she meant because I had always thought that only kids were diagnosed with type one. And I didn't make that connection of autoimmune type one. I thought that she meant because I have so many other autoimmune disorders, it was making the diabetes difficult to manage. Oh, I see. I understand. And I never, I never asked her like, well, what do you mean by that? So things got really bad. And my numbers got really high. And that's when I got the, the lot of diagnosis. How long did really bad last? Um, well, you know, I, I had a hysterectomy the summer before my diagnosis. And so for several months following that, I really felt horrible. But I attributed that to recovering from the hysterectomy because it's a big surgery. And you know, I was extremely tired and I felt nauseous all the time. And um, my numbers were high, but I knew that they, you know, I had been through a surgery and I was recovering. And so all of these things that were going on, I just thought, well, this is because of the surgery, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's probably several months. Wow. What, why did you have the hysterectomy? Uh, I had adenomyosis, which I've read is, uh, frequently associated with autoimmune disorders, but I couldn't, I can't find anything that says, yes, it definitely is. And so it basically, you know, was like a, uh, just a never ending period. And the only way to cure that is to remove the uterus. A medical condition characterized by the growth of cells that build up inside the uterus. That sounds like you. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was happy to have them take it out. They couldn't do it fast enough. Do you have children? I do not. Was that ever an issue for you? Uh, you know, no, I was okay with never having them. I, I never really, I figured if I did, I did. If I didn't, I didn't. I sat through a two and a half hour presentation last night at a high school that made me rethink having children. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see if I can find a relationship to it and autoimmune is adden. Wow. How do you say it? Adden. Adenomyosis. Is it immune? My, my, my gynecologist explained to me of, as being like, she said, it's, it's an endometriosis that's confined to the uterus is basically what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And she said the, the uterus just continues to, once it starts, you know, getting into this, oh, my computer's making noise. I'm sorry. Once it gets start into this, you know, stage where it's just continuing to, to bleed, it just won't stop. And I had a 60 day period, um, which made me almost want to lose my mind. Mark, and, period means stop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. So one time my uterus. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what led to the diagnosis because she, you know, they did a DNC and they said, oh, it'll, it'll, it'll be okay now. You're just probably starting menopause. And I was like, well, okay, I'm a little, 
seems like I might be a little young for that. Yeah. And she's like, no, not really. And she said, it, it takes a long time. I said, okay. And I remember, and I, I really like her, but she said to me, I don't know why this happened, but it's not going to happen again. And I thought, okay, that doesn't make sense. But, um, and so the DNC kind of fixed things temporarily and then it came back and, and she said, well, we need to do an MRI. And that was how they diagnosed it. And then she said, you need a, a, a hysterectomy. That's the only way to fix this. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, you said you have other autoimmune diseases. What else do you have? I have rheumatoid arthritis. I have um, IJ nephropathy. I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And then the Lada. What was the one between RA and Hashimoto's? Uh, it's IgA nephropathy. So it's a condition where um, basically you build up too much protein in your kidneys, which then um, makes them stop working. Have you had, uh, are you on dialysis? No. So my kidneys are still functioning. I was diagnosed with that in 2007. Um if you were to look at my kidney function, it's slowly declined mm -hmm. over the last what 15 years. But I, I'm right now I'm probably, I wrote, I fluctuate between stage. Uh, I don't know why they split three into two. They have stage three A and stage three B. I'm not sure why they do that, but I fluctuate between those two stages, which is somewhere between, I think 50 and 60% of my kidney function remains. What came first? Did you get the Hashimoto's first? Uh, so it was the rheumatoid arthritis first, then the, the IgA, then the Hashimoto's. What age? Well, that's that was the order of the diagnoses. I, you know, honestly, I could have had, they told me I could have had the IgA for years before it was diagnosed. It was diagnosed by accident. Um, uh, RA, how old were you? Uh, so that was in 2001. So I would have to... Do some math. I think uh, I was. Hold on, hold on. 21, 56. This is my time. 30? 35. Okay. Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. I've uh, heard your comments about math several times on the podcast. I was like, I, I, saw, I saw simple low numbers. I was like, I can get this one. Um, <laughs> so, how did RA present for you? So, RA was just a pain in my hip that was persistent. And I, I had was buying a house and I can remember it was Thanksgiving. I was buying a house the following spring I moved in and I can remember thinking if this pain in my hip doesn't go away, I'm going to have trouble moving. And it took about nine months for them to finally give me a, an RA diagnosis because they said, typically it's um, symmetric and mine was asymmetric and it still is. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, that's just not, you know, we think it's rheumatoid arthritis, but that's not how it presents. So they looked for everything else and they, it took them a long time. They bounced me back and forth between rheumatology and orthopedics. And um, they finally, I think, just couldn't find anything else. And it presented as RA in every other way. And they they said, okay, well, all right, your rheumatoid factors are through the roof. We think it's RA. We don't know why it's asymmetrical, but this is what you have. Just in the one hip. Well, it later got into the other side, but it's never, thankfully, I've never had issues on both sides of, of any joint at the same time. It's always just one thing. Do you take any medication for it? I did for about five years, but I don't anymore. And I haven't since, you know, the probably 2006 or seven, I, I stopped taking meds. Did the meds work or no? 
you know, they did initially, they took, they had to go in and do, um, I forgot what they called the procedure, but they, they stick a big needle in there and pull the fluid out of the hip joint. And they did that. I was uh, in the hospital overnight because my leg was actually cold because there was so much fluid in there. And they pulled the, the fluid out and put me on meds right away. And I was good. And I stayed on those meds for probably four or five years. And then I just, you know, I didn't want to stay on them if I didn't need to, because I mean, this sounds probably bad, but you can't drink and I'm not, I don't have issues with alcohol, but I do like to have drink here and there. And I asked my doctor, can I, can I come off this medicine? Can we see how it goes? And he's like, yeah, let's try it. And so it, it was fine. And so I've stayed off of it. Okay. So you, <laughs> you got off the medication so you could drink once in a while. Yeah. I yeah. like to have, yeah. I like to have whiskey once in a while at that time. I didn't drink whiskey, but you know, I didn't want to break the rules. I don't want to put my liver at risk by drinking alcohol when I'm on this meds on these meds. And, you know, I couldn't, couldn't do that. And, and, you know, I also thought, well, you know, it might be good to just see how things are going without the medication. And it turns out, I mean, I've been off the medication since 2005, 2006, and I've, I've been okay. So I feel like why take it if I don't need it? Okay means a level of pain and discomfort you're okay with? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, there are plenty of days that I don't have any pain at all. But then there are days when, you know, just last week, one of my, uh, t- the joint on my left foot of my big toe was hurting so bad I couldn't walk for a couple of days. I mean, I did walk, but it was very painful. And then I woke up and it was gone. It's fine. And that's how it's always been. Hmm. You know, I'll have a joint that just doesn't want to work right. And it hurts for, you know, X number of days. And then it just goes away, which is, you know, frustrating with that. And is it, I mean, are you, can you talk about it a little bit when it was first happening? What's it like to get a diagnosis like that, that doesn't seem very impactable? So, I mean, it was, you know, it was a little frustrating. I was in my mid thirties and my, I remember my rheumatologist telling me, oh, you're going to get other autoimmune disorders. And I said, why, what do you mean? And he said, cause you do, if you get one, you get more. And so that was a little frightening because I was, you know, still young at that point and thinking, well, what else is going to happen? You know, and then you if you, you know, if you look up pictures of people with rheumatoid arthritis, their hands sometimes. Well, those are worst case scenarios, you know, but their Mm -hmm. hands are like, you know, they can't use them. And I was afraid, you know, what am I going to do if that happens to me? And how am I going to how am I going to be independent? And, um, you know, so it was kind of kind of frustrating, kind of scary. But then I just thought, well you don't know that that's going to happen and it may never happen. And it hasn't. I mean, I have some, uh, I don't, I don't know, forgot what they're called, but like my knuckles have some nodules on them that you can see. They're not huge. I can feel them. They bug me, but they don't really do anything about them. But I, I don't have, there's no part of my life that's impacted to the point where I can't do something because of the RA. Okay. So you know, which if, if things stay that way, I'm fine. I don't care. Okay. So you're 35, around 35 when this happens. How long after that do you hear about the kidneys? Um, well, it was 2007 and I had the flu and I mentioned to my doctor just, you know, off the cuff, I said, oh, you know, I think I was really dehydrated because my urine was like coffee color. And she said, what do you mean it was coffee colored? I said, yeah, I said it, you know, I, I couldn't keep anything down. And I think I got really dehydrated. And she said, well, let's check that. 
And so whatever she saw on the results of the urine tests, she sent me to a nephrologist who said, well, we need to do a kidney biopsy. And that's how they diagnose that. And so what happens with that disease is it's often not diagnosed until it's in advanced stages because the symptoms are, you know, I don't know, not there. Like you don't, you know, it's lucky, I guess, that I had that issue with the coffee colored urine because otherwise they, they wouldn't have caught it, you know, anywhere near that early. Hmm. Um, okay. So Hashimoto's comes when? If you want to see people doing good things, look no farther than touched by type one.org. That's all I'm going to say. Check their website out, find them on Facebook, find them on Instagram. And then you get to feel good about what people are out there doing. Touched by type1.org. There really are good people in the world. I don't want to get too inside baseball here, but I got an email recently, a couple weeks ago. And um, the email says, are you looking for new sponsors? And I said, maybe, depends. I only take quality stuff. And the person says, well, I think I have something for you then that you could get behind. And I said, well, tell me more about it. And he starts telling me about Cozy Earth. A cozy Earth makes bedding, they make sleepwear, bath towels, that sort of stuff, right? Anyway, the guy says, uh, why don't you try it out? I said, all right, I'll, I'll talk to them. I have a nice chat with a lovely person who sends over a set of sheets for my wife and I. Now, let me tell you something. These sheets are made of something called visco bamboo. As silky and soft and cool and warm, and I don't know how it's neither hot or cold, but it's amazing. I'm having wonderful night sleeps over and over again. Then time to wash them, completely durable, right in the washing machine. Here we go. Right back on the bed. I'm trying them again. I say to my wife, what do you think about this? She goes, you couldn't have got me a pair of pajamas? I said, well, you know, like they just sent over the sheets. So we've been trying it out for weeks now. We're not going back. And please don't tell my wife, but I logged on to the site today, CozyEarth.com, and I used my own coupon code to get my wife a pair of those pajamas. And this coupon code, this isn't just for me, it's for all of you. Juicebox at checkout, J-U-I-C-E-B-O-X. And just like that, you save 35%. I'm going to just say one more thing about the sheets. Do I feel silly going on like this about betting? Not really, because it's that good. But they showed up really well packaged in this really uh, kind of lovely tote bag that my wife, uh, she made off with right away. She's like, I'm keeping that. And I was like, all right. I mean, how did she know I didn't want it? You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I go shopping sometimes. I could have used a tote bag, but no, okay. She gets the sheets and the tote bag. I say, okay, that's fine with me. I need to tell you a couple more things about Cozy Earth. They've been on Oprah's favorite things list for five years running. The sheets that I'm sleeping on are made from responsibly sourced visco bamboo, and all of their products come with a 10-year warranty. Cozy Earth bedding is temperature regulated and is available not just in that visco bamboo, but also in linen. There you have loungewear, that provides optimal comfort. And by the way, don't take my word for it because I haven't received my wife's pajamas yet. Although I don't think I'll try them on. Will I? No, I haven't received my wife's pajamas yet. Maybe I'll go back on and buy myself something. I'm going by what somebody told me on the private Facebook group for Juicebox Podcast. When I told them I'm going to have a coupon code for Cozy Earth, they were like, oh my God. And they started going on about like sweatpants or something like that and how much they love them. I don't know. I didn't read the whole thing. Anyway, Valentine's Day is coming up. So snuggle up in Cozy Earth's best-selling sheets or sleepwear, get some towels, do your thing. 
Don't forget to use the coupon code to save 35%. And I think when you log on the website, there's an opportunity for you to join the mailing list and get a $50 gift card on top of all that. So listen, Juicebox Podcast listeners, it's time to upgrade your sleeping situation like me. It really is worth a moment to check out the website. The sheets are incredibly comfortable, not just with temperature, but feel and touch. And uh, I'm can't believe I'm saying this. I like sleeping on these sheets. I never thought I'd have an opinion about sheets, but then here we are. Check them out. CozyEarth.com. Juice box at checkout. Uh, That came probably around 2010-ish. And that was because I had um, uh, my blood work showed a ton of calcium uh, high, my calcium levels were too high. Yeah, high calcium. That's one of the indicators. How about that? Yeah. That's how they caught it. Yeah. And they they said, well, let's take you off. I was on some medication. I can't remember what it was that they said could elevate your calcium levels. So they, they took me off of that and uh, put me on something else and said it just didn't, didn't, you know, resolve and kept getting worse. And I don't remember all the different tests that they did, but it ended up that I had a a large benign tumor on one of my parathyroid glands and I had large tumors on my thyroid. And they said, the parathyroid has to come out. You can't leave it. And while we're in there, we're going to take most of your thyroid because it's covered with benign tumors. So they did that. Um, I still have little bits of my thyroid left, but I, you know, I take Synthroid every day and I will for the rest of my life. And is that fairly well-maintained? Do you see a lot of uh, symptoms from thyroid or no? No, I think it's pretty well-maintained. My numbers are usually pretty good. How about how you forgetting the numbers, how, how you feel? Uh, like you can get rested, your hair doesn't fall out, et cetera? Well, I do have what I think is probably more hair loss than I, than I should. I mean, in the drain, but I, I, my hair doesn't look thin. Um, and I am frequently tired, but... I don't know if if the me, fatigue is from the Hashimoto's or not. I just don't know. When you said your numbers are good, what's your TSH? Uh, you know, I really don't know what I can tell you. Yeah, take a look. Yeah, let me look. Let me log in. I just had blood work because I just reached out to my doctor. In fact, I see her later today. Perfect. Um, but I did reach out to her because I said, you know, I'm really kind of tired all the time. Scott's going to help. <laughs> And I said, uh, you know, I thought maybe my iron was low or something. Let's see. Test results. Uh, 1.44. Oh, so it is good. Yeah. All right. So you're going to check your iron, do an iron panel, check your ferritin, that kind of stuff. Yeah, she did all that. My ferritin is only 18, which is on the low side. Oh, much too low. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I could, that could be why I've been tired lately. She told me, you know, get a multivitamin and start taking iron. Mm, that takes forever, but okay. Yeah. Uh, ask her if she'd like to get you an infusion. Yeah. I could ask her about that actually. I, yeah. I'm going to see her later today. So I will. I I'll had one. See what she says. It's lovely, Marla. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, it goes in. And then once your body starts making new blood cells, it makes them now with the correct amount of iron in your system and you just feel better. Oh, really? Okay. I will definitely ask her. Thank you. But we also want to know why your iron is so low. 
Well, that's been an issue I've had for as long as I can remember. Every time I have blood work, they tell me, you know, your iron is low. Every time. It's celiac or even a celiac uh, uh, intolerance? Uh, Well, they tested me for celiac and that was negative. Okay. Do Do you think you don't do well with gluten? No, I think I do fine. You do fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then it's an, an absorption thing, I would guess. And I'll tell you what helped for me. Let's mm-hmm. everybody remind each other. I barely got through high school and I'm not a doctor, but, uh, you know, <laughs> podcasts and all. Um, an exorbic acid, vitamin C, along okay. along with my iron supplement. So I could take okay. iron supplements and it didn't matter. Not They didn't touch anything. Then I I got the infusions and got to the point where I thought, oh, gosh, I'm a person who's going to have to get infusions for the rest of my life. This will be fun because they only lasted for like six months or so. Yeah. But then it turned out I I just wasn't absorbing the iron. So now I take a a quality iron supplement along with an azorbic acid. Same time, two tablets down, and my body picks that up fine. Oh, okay. I'll definitely try that. Give it a whirl. I will. Yeah. Thank you. I don't want you to be tired. You're welcome. Yeah, I don't want to be tired either. Yeah, honestly, Marla, you got enough going on. You don't need another yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so now after hearing about all of this, yeah, I'm baffled that when you get a diabetes diagnosis that someone doesn't go, well, she has RA and Hashimoto's and this kidney thing. This is clearly mm-hmm. type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Well, I am too now that I know more. But mm-hmm. at the time... You know, I knew nothing about this. I mean, I, like many people had always heard that only kids are diagnosed with type one. So all the times that she said to me, and it was many times, you know, don't worry, I know you're trying. I think this is autoimmune. It just never occurred to me to say, what do you mean by that? I I think, like I said, I had all these autoimmune things happening and I thought, well, that means that it's these other diseases are making my diabetes difficult to manage. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I'm saying though, like LADA or type one, whatever it is that you, you know, have, and I don't, mm-hmm. I'm going to dig into it with you. But sometimes I don't even know if it matters to be honest, what they call it. Um, but I just don't see how a doctor doesn't see other autoimmune issues and not put mm-hmm. you on metformin. Like, well, I, I was on metformin. I'm saying, I don't know how that happened to you. Is oh, what I'm getting oh at. yeah. 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 It, it's just, it's a little, it seems a little, uh, obvious to me like you know yeah. when you're watching a movie and you're like that's the guy that's gonna die first and everyone knows right. and like they could have wrote this a little better so we all didn't see immediately that the character of eddie is going to be murdered and, exactly. and, and it yeah. just seems to me like it it was kind of set up for them to understand yeah you know? no i would agree based on what i know now yeah. and i mean looking back the metformin did nothing but make me sick i couldn't take it half the time yeah i wouldn't yeah. imagine did you lose weight on it I did not, which was a question my doctor used to ask me all the time. And she also, she put me on Genuvia, she put me on Victoza Hmm. and, you know, I didn't lose any weight through any of it. Um, Although, you know, I will say it's, um, it takes a lot for me to not power through and eat something if I am hungry, you know. (laughs) There you go. You're a a head down girl, huh? That's right, yeah. I can get this done. (laughs) I have to have some extreme nausea, otherwise, you know. If it's time to eat and I'm hungry. This I'm is happening. Okay. Yeah. So so going back to when you realized Lada, yeah. um, how does how is Lada explained to you? And is this so, by an endocrinologist or a general practitioner? No, just my my um internal medicine doctor. She's she I had been on vacation. This was, you know, the, the December after my 
my summer hysterectomy months leading into this one, not feeling good, thinking it was the surgery. I went on vacation. Like I always do over the holidays, I come back from vacation and I'm, you know, not rested like you would be on after a vacation. You know, my drop, my job is stressful. I commute an hour plus one way. You know, I can think of all kinds of reasons why I would be tired at the end of the day, but this was more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I come back from vacation. I'm not any better, uh, you know, and I tested my fasting glucose that morning and it was 450. And I thought, well, I'll get to work. I'll eat some breakfast. It'll come down. I don't really know why I thought that. The breakfast I chose was oatmeal and um, tested two hours after, and it was 583. Hmm. And so a a faculty member came by my office. I knew he had diabetes because he had told me before about um, his diagnosis story. So he stopped by for something. And I said, you know, hey, um, my blood sugar is um, 583. Do you think I should call my doctor? (laughs) You know, I don't know why I even asked him because I knew the answer and his eyes, you know, popped out of his head. He's like, yes, you should call her. He said, why? He goes, I have a meeting that I have to go to. I'm coming back in a half an hour. If you haven't heard from her, you and I are walking over to the endo clinic right now because I work in a hospital. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, no, no. She'll, she'll, she'll call me back. So I might chartered her and she's very good about answering. And she did within like 15 minutes. And she said, come to the clinic, you need insulin. And so the conversation I had with her, she said it again at that point, I think yours is autoimmune. And I finally said, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, I think that yours is type one. And I said, I, I, I didn't understand that kids that you had could be diagnosed with that. If you weren't a kid, only kids get that. And she said, no, adults can get it too. And so, um, I went over, got the insulin, you know, did my first insulin shot within two days, felt night and day better. Um, And they said, you need to make an appointment with an endocrinologist. And so all the the information that I got from my primary care doctor was, you know, she set my basal, I don't remember what she set it at. I did a shot at night with, I think it was Lantus or basal bar or something. And, um, she said, if you eat a big meal, take four units. If you eat a small meal, take two units and, you know, get into see endo. Well, it was a four month wait to get into see an endocrinologist. So I started researching LADA and reading about, you know, um, Dexcoms and um, uh, insulin pumps and, you know, all these terms that were brand new to me. And so I, I called her back within about a month or six weeks and said, I don't want to stick my fingers. Cause once I knew I had something that I could do something about now I have insulin, like, you know, before when I thought I had type two and, and nothing I was doing was working, you know, you, after a while, you just kind of think, well, you know, I'm nothing I'm doing is working anyway. So why am I trying? So once I figured out like, okay, now I need to take insulin and I can manage this number. I'm sticking my fingers like crazy. And I figured out right away that this is not going to work. I don't like this. So I, think within a month or six weeks, I said, you know, I read about this Dexcom. Can I have this? And she said, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it took a while for the, you know, paperwork and whatnot, but I was on the Dexcom G5 by early April because this all happened early January. Okay. Wow. So three months and I had a Dex, which I, I love. Right. Um, And then by the time I saw my endocrinologist, probably in May, um, I had researched pumps 
And I said, I don't want to give myself shots anymore. Can I have an insulin pump? And she said, yeah, which one do you want? And I had researched the T-Slim and the Omnipod. And I was leaning toward the Omnipod because I didn't want the tubes. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I that this decision was going to, you know, last me like, you know, four years. And I thought I'd better meet with the reps and talk to people um, in real life uh, of real people. instead of just reading online about these products before I make a decision. But I really kind of knew that I wanted the Omnipod and that's what I chose. And that's what I've been on ever since. And that's been really beneficial for you being on a podcast. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, my numbers are, they're not where I want them to be, honestly, but um, they're not horrible. And my endocrinologist is always telling me, you're, you know, you're too hard on yourself. Diabetes is hard. You're doing really well. Well, that's good. Where, where are you at that you aren't happy with? Well, I my A1C is 6.5. Not bad. But I would like it to be lower. My time and range is 86%. Also, not bad. But yeah. I would like it to be above 90. What do you call I mean, I, What do you call in range? What's your range you're shooting for? Um, well, I have my alarm set according to what I learned on your podcast now. Mm-hmm. Um, so my low alarm is 70. My high alarm is 130. Wow. But the in range on the decks is just the, the normal um, 70, 70 180. 180. Okay. Yeah. How often do you think you're between 70 and 130? Um, maybe half the time. Yeah, I, that's probably where you'll make up that other half a point of A1C is losing those those 50 points between, you know, I don't know, 30, 130 and 180 right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so what do you think, what do you have happened? Do you have spikes at meals? I have, I have the same exact breakfast every day and I can't figure it out. And I don't know why. (laughs) Yep. I eat the same thing every day. I mean, I was doing that before I listened to your podcast of, you know, eat the same meal, figure it out. And so what I started doing is writing down like, okay, this is what my insulin or my blood sugar was when I pre-bolused. Here's what it is when I ate. Here's what it was right after I ate. Here's what I did. Sometimes I do a temp basil. Sometimes I do an extended bolus. Sometimes I just do a, uh, you know, corrective dose before I think I need the corrective dose. Sometimes I just bolus a lot more upfront. Now this morning, things have been going pretty well. Right. Um, what, what did you, what do you eat every morning? So I have a piece of bread that I make also. Thank you to your podcast. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I like to bake anyway. And I thought, well, why am I buying bread when I can just make bread? Um, so I have a piece of bread that I make, I have eggs, coffee, and I usually put, um, either some brie cheese on the bread or some goat cheese, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I I eat that same breakfast every single day. Do you need insulin? Sometimes I do fine. And sometimes I don't. Do you need insulin for coffee when you're having it by itself? Yes. Okay. Um, what is Sometimes you do fine and sometimes you don't. Let's put numbers on that. When you don't, okay. where's the spike go? Uh, so I think Monday I went up to like 240. Okay. And then, but there are times where the exact same bolus, it doesn't happen. Uh, well, that's the thing. I'm not sure I'm bolusing the exact same thing every time. How come? Because, well, because like, okay, it didn't work Monday. So I thought, well, that wasn't the right bolus. Because I, I I do agree with what you say. Like if you're in if your number's going up, you either didn't time it or you didn't use enough. I, I do agree that's true. So I thought, well, I didn't use enough. So then I'll use more or I'll spread it out. Or like I said, I'll just, you know, do a 
preemptive corrective dose. Do you ever pay attention to where your site is or if it's an old or new site on your pump in relation to what a successor not no, that you're having in the morning? No. I would think about that. Like, am I like, is today a good day? Is it the second day of the pump or the first day of the pump? Yeah, today, let's see. I just changed my pump last evening when I got home. From yeah, work. so this is so this is a pump that's twelve hours old and it's yeah. do, and it's doing well for your for your breakfast. I'd be yeah. super interested to see what happens. This is Thursday, Saturday morning when this pump is on its last legs. Is it is it different? I would also look. Uh, where do you wear your pod? Arms, belly, thighs? Uh, it's on my arm right now, but I typically wear them on my legs. Okay. Are legs, do legs need more insulin than arms or vice versa? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. This is what I would be looking at because I mean, if you have, if you're doing the same exact meal and I mean a couple of eggs, a little bit of goat cheese, bread you made yourself, which we know, I mean, if you're using my recipe, doesn't have very much sugar in it at all, honestly. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And there's no high fructose corn syrup in it, et cetera. Right. So, um, it shouldn't be hitting you all that hard. And if the bolus is working sometimes and not others, I'd look outside of the um, of the carbs and the insulin for something else. The first thing I think of is uh, pump placement or age of the infusion set. Okay. Those are my thoughts. Okay. If that works, send me an email. I will. <laughs> I, I will. I want to know. Okay. Okay. So, so you treat, you know, so that they, they're still calling you LADA. Like, is that your diagnosis? Yeah, it says LADA, and then parenthetically it says type 1. Okay. So, you know, I don't know. I asked my endocrinologist about that, and she said, you know, LADA, she said there's people that call it type 1.5. They call it LADA. She said it's basically type 1. She said your pancreas just takes longer to shut off. She said kids that have this, their pancreas is done, and, you know, it just shuts off. They're, you know, instantly, you know, need insulin. She said you have probably been experiencing this for years. Mm -hmm. You know, she said it just takes a long, longer time. Also, if, in fairness, not that you just, not that you misspoke, but there are adults who get type one and their pancreas just gives up the way you expect. Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> okay. So are you noticing that like as time goes on, do things need more insulin very slowly? Uh, I don't honestly know how to answer that. Okay. That's okay. I was just yeah. yeah. I just don't know. I, I I just don't know the answer but if I your, need more than I did five years ago. Yeah, in your heart, the way you treat every day and what you see other people doing, you 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 act as if you have type one diabetes and that there's no real thought about it otherwise, I imagine. No, no. Okay. I mean I just yeah, I Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, if you don't agree with it, then that's just me saying stuff. <laughs> Here's what I think Mar thinks. Uh, Scott, I don't think that. Too bad. Move on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I made myself laugh. Uh, what? Um, I just, I'm just i imagining a scenario where I just tell people what they think, and somehow it's yeah. a podcast. <laughs> Today, Bill's on. I'm going to tell him how he feels about Bree. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, that would not be a lot of fun to listen to. Um, what made you want to come on the podcast? Well, I just found your podcast and was 
suddenly like, wow, these are, you know, real people who aren't crazy because in the, in the, like real people who aren't crazy that have the same thing that I have or similar to what I have, I guess, if, if lot is not exactly type one. Um, right, before we get into that, Marla, do you find a lot of real people are crazy? <laughs> I mean, if you look in the, the online community, you can find some people that are not helpful. Maybe crazy is the wrong word, but not <laughs> helpful at all or extreme or judgmental or, you know, admonishing. Um, and so when I started listening to the podcast, I don't remember how I found it, but I thought, yeah, okay, you know, I'll see what they have to say. And I just was thinking, wow, this, these things, these, this advice could actually work. And these people are doing this and having success. And because I, I feel like I am largely reactive. Like I, I check my, I hear you say, you don't even check your daughter's number. You just listen for the alarms. And I'm constantly looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. constantly looking at it to see what the number is. And when it's not what I think it should be, it's because I've done something wrong. Now I know that that's not true, but that is what I feel and think. So, you know, that I'm reacting constantly to this high number and I feel like I could do better to, yeah. to put myself in a more proactive, um, you know, response instead of just always, Yeah, I understand. It's a a large part of, I mean, if you, you know, you hear me on the podcast, obviously, I I follow the conversations when I'm talking to people, I I don't just break in with thoughts that are, you know, out of left field. But um, a big part of how I think about diabetes is about acting first. It's about Mm -hmm. it's about attacking it, and then seeing what happens next and knowing I made what happened happen. Like, I think once you wait for diabetes to happen and you're responding, you're always behind, you're always chasing, and therefore you get up and down numbers and you never feel confident about anything you're doing because then there's always an aspect of what's happening that is unknown to you. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah I, that's exactly how I feel. Like, I I react and try to, you know, I, I've learned a lot from the podcast, like, don't get over 200 because it's much more difficult to come back down, takes much more insulin. You know, when I see 160, I start, you know, trying to correct. Um, I try to be very good about pre-bolusing, you know, not being afraid to use more insulin and stuff, but I still feel like I'm not doing something I should be doing to keep my, um, keep my line a little more level and not be so reactive. And I often don't know what's happening. It's interesting that you that you bring this up today because I just yesterday interviewed a woman uh, who's the mother of a nine-year-old. Actually, your episodes will come out really close together. So anyway, it probably just came out. Um, and she had been on the podcast previously. She came on in 2017 when the podcast was like two years old um, and was on an episode called The Normal Floor. And then she came back just to sort of do an update and talk some more. And she was still talking about some of the struggles she has. One of them was that she has trouble pre-bolusing at school because she's worried the kid's going to get low. But here's what happens every day. She doesn't pre-bolus enough. The kid's blood sugar jumps up. The insulin becomes unbalanced with the foods that the food as it digests through his system and he crashes low. And I said, so you don't pre-bolus because you don't want him to be low. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, what happens when you don't pre-bolus later? And she goes, he gets low. And I thought, do I need to keep talking right now? Like, <laughs> Um, you, you know, like, like 
I'll let the silence work for me here. And she, yeah. goes, she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something yeah. like that. And I was like, it's just, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, big picture, you're using insulin. You're probably going to have lows sometimes. I uh-huh. prefer to have a low you caused than a low that happened to me. And right. I really ironically, as we're talking about it, Arden, you you wouldn't know this, but in the first 20 minutes of this episode, I helped Arden fix a low that she's having at school. Oh, well. And so um, she. it looks to me like what happened, it's just a, a crazy little thing, but it looks to me like what happened was she bolused accurately for a, for a, a food that she had. Mm-hmm. Problem is, this is the second day of her placebo of her birth control pill. And she doesn't think about it like that as much. But you start getting, you know, there's a shift. So anyway, the bolus was a little heavy. And she gets this uh, diagonal down arrow that's just not stopping. She sees it around 65 and tries to hit it with some candy. Why candy and not juice? Well, I find out later, it's because she doesn't have a juice on her. So um, the candy doesn't work as quickly as she's expecting because she usually treats with juice and she would she expected a quicker response the way she gets from the juice. So she gets low enough to 50 where I text her and go, hey, you're paying attention to this, right? And she goes, yeah, 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 I know. And I'm like, okay. So I said, what'd you do? She told me about the candy. And um, I said, you know, your test, she tested, the CGM was accurate. I said, I really think I would drink half a juice here. Five minutes later, I get a text that says too late. Too late means Arden doesn't like to have a half juice box on her desk. She, uh, so she banged the whole juice down. So I just texted her and said, bolus suggested, which is, and by the way, your Dexcom warm-up period is over. Is that what that uh, was? That's my my alarm at 131. Oh, yeah. oh, that's the noise you used for that alarm. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, anyway... Arden's on loop. I told her to put in carbs for the candy, not for all of the juice. And we let it catch her low. If she was home, I would have just told her to bolus. Like I actually would have bolus at a 50 blood sugar after she drank the juice. Um, but since she wasn't away, I just told her to hold off. Now the insulin's going in. She's shooting up. It'll stop around 150 and come back down again. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. If that all makes sense. Um, yeah. But anyway, if if we would have bolused for eh, the candy and maybe a half of the juice as her blood sugar was 50, I she wouldn't be shooting up the way she is right now. You know, so and that's yeah. that and that's my point of telling the story, which is you, you have to be ahead of it. Right. Like you just always and, and and I'm not disappointed that she had a low because she was appropriately aggressive for what she ate. And I would rather her have a low that she made happen than a low that just happens to her. Right. Is my reason for bringing it up. Yeah. That's all. I mean, is that a mindset thing for you? Why do you not do it? Because it sounds like you know. I I think I don't mind. Like during the day, all day long, I'm fine with, you know, using much more insulin if I need to. Um, I guess I just, with breakfast, I'm struggling with how much, and I also, I, well, I should mention this too. I don't want to have to eat extra calories if I don't need them because I'm always watching how much I'm eating. Yeah. I don't want you to do that either. Could we, um, we now I'm in this with you, Mar. um, <laughs> could we, uh, 
start upping your basil early morning before you get up? Yeah, I just made adjustments to my basil because I thought about that yesterday Um, because, you know, I knew I was coming on this today and I thought, you know, what are the reasons that you can't get this breakfast thing figured out? And I thought, well, maybe I need to adjust my basil, which I I don't wait for my endo appointment to make changes to my pump settings. Um, And my endo's fine with that. She, you know, she'll look at them. And only one time did she ask me to change something that she wasn't comfortable with. And it was because I had an overnight target of 90 and she wanted it higher. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, she's, she's so good and everything. I said, okay, I, how about if I make it a hundred? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. So I did that. But the rest of my settings, you know, she, she's okay with, and I just changed it Sunday um, to increase my basil in the morning. Cause I did think, well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with what I'm eating. I'm not getting enough insulin anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, that so, would be my first consideration. Do you go up in the morning if you don't eat? Uh, well, I always eat, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's right. You <laughs> said earlier, you're eating, right? Um, I always eat a, I always eat breakfast. That's my favorite meal today. Would you be willing on Saturday morning to have breakfast for lunch just to see what happens oh, yeah. to your blood sugar if you don't eat in the morning? Oh, yeah, for sure. Give it a whirl. See what happens. Because maybe you're busy thinking, it. well, first of all, uh, first of all, pump site thing is worth thinking about but Mm -hmm. if you're drifting up anyway at that time of day and you're just thinking about it as the food well then that could be part of it too yeah you know so yeah it could be because maybe that's not the issue right maybe well maybe there's two things going on and you're only looking at one of them yeah right so oh that's a possibility too you just need somebody to talk it through with like that's the problem is that you you get in your own head and it's hard to it's hard to flesh the whole thing out by yourself sometimes. It and, is a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's another reason like I the podcast was, you know, such a great find because I don't have anyone to flesh it out with. Like it's just me. And I don't know anyone in real life that has this. And um, you know, again, the, the social media thing, you know, you can find good people. I found some really helpful people, but I also found some that were the complete opposite. And so after a while, I quit asking questions. Yeah, it's tough. Because you just don't know what you're going to get. Have you tried my private Facebook group? No. It's really good. There's like 24,000 people in there. And it's the the thing you hope Facebook would be. Oh, I will. Yeah. Yeah. How do I find that? Juicebox podcast, type 1 diabetes. All right. Um, And it's a private group. You'll have to answer a couple of questions to get in. That's how you'll know you're not just on the, uh, the public page. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, right, cool. yeah, I it's 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 just people who well listen. It's still the internet, right? So it's people yeah. who listen to the podcast mostly, but there are also a fair number of people in there who have just heard that the people in that Facebook group have a lot of success, so they they go there. It's it's interesting that every once in a while someone will just pop on and go, "I feel so silly asking this. What is this podcast everyone's talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> That made me mental in the beginning, Mar, but I've let go of it. <laughs> um, and uh, I just know now that the the Facebook page has sort of become its own thing. Yeah. And hopefully some people find their way from it to the podcast. But, I mean, honestly, if the, if the Facebook page helps them with their problem, then, you know, I think that's great. I, my honest opinion is you should listen to the podcast every day. And I know that's me sounding like I want you to listen to the podcast, but it keeps you in it. It, yeah. Like, it, like 
think about it. You only really started wondering about why your breakfast isn't going the way you want because you were coming on a podcast to talk about diabetes. So you wanted to have some thoughts about it. Right. But why didn't you think about it six months ago? You know what I mean? And the answer is because you're living and you're alive and it's going okay enough. And when things start bleeding away from center, it happens so slowly. You don't notice your A1C goes you know, it goes six, six, one, six, three. You're like, ah, six, three is fine. Six, four, that's only one more than six, three. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. All of a sudden it's six, eight. And you're like, six, eight still in the sixes. You can, you know what I mean? Like you can mm-hmm. rationalize almost anything. And that is a, that is a key building block of how human beings stay alive by, yeah. ad, by adjusting sub like unconsciously to things. It, yeah. just, it just so happens in this one area, you need to stop and focus sometimes and say to yourself, there's no reason why I'm 6'7 now and I used to be 6'2. I must be doing something different and just mm-hmm. not, and just not realizing it. I, yeah. There's a great episode that goes way back years and years ago where a, a mom has this realization while she's talking where she's like, oh, I've just become okay with 200. And she's like, I now think of 200 as not bad. And yeah. and now I get what I expect. I expect 200, I get 200. I said, yeah, move move the alarms down. Like, just like you were talking about. Expect 180. And then once you start getting 180, then try to expect 160. And then you'll see that most of the time you're under 160. And, yeah. you know, it's no big deal. I mean, it, for me, I expect Arden to be between 70 and 120. Mm-hmm. That's all. And most yeah. of the times, that's what we get. Yeah. See, that's, that's where I want to be. I want to be in that range all the time. I mean, I don't want to have these highs when I eat something. Now, I mean, if I eat something, you know, sugar, then I know, but I, I hear you even talk about like Arden eats stuff like that Yeah, and stays pretty steady. Yeah. yeah she, it, she does well. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he's got just, bolus for it the right way. Yeah. I think the the most frustrating thing for me is like, I I haven't figured out when I'm not eating stuff like that, when I'm just eating normal foods and I still can't manage it. I don't always know why that's happening. Yeah. I, I cut my teeth on bolusing for cereal, like sugary box, terrible for you. Not really food cereal. Like when I, once I figured out a bowl of cereal, it just opens your eyes. It's like, it's, like seeing the other side of the matrix. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then you're just okay after that. Things yeah. do, it, it, the reference is so old now, I can't use it anymore. But uh, <laughs> it, but I see diabetes the way Neo saw everything once the bullet slowed down. Yeah. I just kind of look up and I go, okay, well, let's move this over here and put this here and that'll do this and done, you know. But it takes, it takes time and experience and a desire to, mm-hmm. I mean, a desire to fight through how hard it is to figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, and and you're, we haven't mentioned it yet, but do you live alone? I do. So is that worrisome at night? No. No, you're okay. All right. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. You're like, listen, my kidneys, (laughs) my thyroid, RA, whatever the hell that other thing is that I mentioned, you you know, like what? No. You're okay. I'm, yeah, I'm never not living. I can tell you right now, unless I, mentally not, you know, able to take care of myself, I will not live with someone else. I'm just so used to living by myself. <laughs> I was going to ask if you wanted to be with somebody else and you're like, nah, I'd say I'm good like this. Thanks. No, I'm uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you about like dating. Um, I don't know if you're doing that or not, but I no. don't know. I just don't know how it is to bring another person into 
um, into this world and, and try to explain your health issues to them. Yeah. I don't know. I, most of the people that I know in real life don't know I have kidney disease. My brother's the only one who knows. And then my best friend, but the rest of my family are, they don't know. I I couldn't think of a good reason to share that because it's only going to cause worry and there's nothing I can do. Um, I mean, I watch my diet. I, I avoid, you know, things that are high in sodium. I don't eat foods that come from cans or boxes or, or, uh, frozen, you know, things that have a lot of sodium. Um, you know, but other than that, uh, there's nothing, you know, you could have a t-shirt made that said, I had coffee colored pee. Ask me, ask me if you'd like to know more, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I mean, I would love to see who you'd meet if that was your people. Like, I want to know about the coffee colored pig. <laughs> yeah, it was um, coffee colored. Yeah, it's so weird. Well, yeah, it is. It, it, it's it's honestly, if it wasn't a morbid thing around like kidney disease, it could honestly be the episode title. I I was fascinated by that uh, that uh, description. It must have scared. Yeah. The, must have scared yeah. the hell out of you. I mean, it didn't at the time because I knew I had been sick and I was, you know, like I said, I had the flu, I was vomiting, I had, you know, diarrhea. I thought, well, I'm just, I'm just super dehydrated. Yeah. Does everybody yeah. remember the first time their poop came out green? <laughs> you were like, <laughs> you're like a kid. You're like, yeah. you're running through the house. It's like, hey, everyone help. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And I only mentioned it to her in passing. I, I did not think it was a big deal. I mean, mm. uh, yeah. So she... You know, thankfully, thought you, it was. you've lucked into a couple of diagnoses, actually, even with the calcium test for the Hashimoto's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when they palpated your your thyroid back then, did did you touch it, too? Uh, no, no, I don't think I don't think I did. But they I didn't have uh, visible tumors like nothing so sticking big. out but yeah but yeah when they feel it they can i mean they're doctors they know where it is i'm poking at mm-hmm. my throat now as if i know where my thyroid is <laughs> <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't exactly know and um but it's it's interesting because i during uh covid i watched somebody do that to my son over zoom oh and like had him get real close to the camera like pull on his throat and push in places and swallow and stuff like that it was really interesting Oh, wow. That yeah. is interesting. Not fun, but interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, we're coming up on an hour. We're not done yet, but I want to make sure that we're getting to everything that you wanted to talk about because you wrote a fairly extensive note that I have mostly ignored while we were talking. So I'm wondering <laughs> I'm wondering how we're doing. No, we're fine. I, I tend to be a little too wordy when I, when I write or even when I talk. So uh, I reread that last week and I was like gosh what I mean why don't you just sit down and like write a three-page letter to this guy it was so long I end up being people's therapists sometimes Marla yeah <laughs> it's okay I think I think when I when I reached out to you you know I just was so like happy to have this resource honestly huh. that I just felt you know so great about you know tapping into this information and I thought well I just have to tell this guy how great this is and then it made me want to tell you, you know, why I was listening and what was going on. Mm. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, are, would you consider yourself a person who listens to podcasts outside of diabetes? Uh, only just recently, um, like maybe a year ago, said, what are these podcast things that people are listening to? Yeah. And um, 
it was not until the pandemic and I started working from home because I work from home four days a week um, that I started listening to podcasts while I work. Yeah. And prior to that, yeah, I didn't listen to them at all. And now I only listen to a few. Okay. Yeah. I got to talk to my wife about that because she watches bad television while she's working. And I'm like, you should upgrade what you're, she's like, I like how mindless it is. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how she cares if a 21 year old kid is on a singing show, but my wife still really cares about it. So we're, oh, we're wow. at least likes it as background. And <laughs> so anyway, well, yeah, because I mean, 55 is, I mean, you're on the other side of what I, you know, people expect for podcast listeners. Um, yeah. How did you, so how did you find, did you find, I'm trying to figure out how you found this. I, I'm sure it was in one of the social media uh, groups that I just remember thinking that I kept hearing the term, the juice box podcast. And I think I probably initially thought that it was for kids and then thought, well, I'll, I'll listen to it and see what it is. And I, I realized right away that it's for anybody who's dealing with insulin and diabetes. Um, and I, I think you're right. I, I don't fit into that group that usually listens to podcasts, yeah. but if I have the TV on while I'm working, I can't pay attention to work. If I have the podcast playing in the background, I can somehow do both depending on the podcast. There are times when I have to rewind because I'm focused on what I'm working on. Um, or I, you know, if I'm working on something really that really requires my focus, I'll shut it off. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I listen all day. I'm oh. home by myself. I listen all day while I'm working. That's lovely. Are you going to listen to this episode? I don't know. Interesting. Because I'm sure that I will not like the way that I sound. And I will think, oh, God, you sounded so dumb. Why uh, did you say that? See, I'm always fascinated by that because, A, I mean, I don't sound the way I sound. Mm -hmm. Like, when if I took off this head, these headphones, because right now I'm hearing my voice in my own ears. Mm -hmm. And I do that so that you and I are the same level in the conversation. Like, like, because I, I'm hearing our conversation in my head, which is, mm -hmm. which is good. You kind of have to forget that the microphone's here, but without this mic and without these earphones, I don't sound the way you're hearing me right now. Exactly. Like, I'm not yeah. like, I don't have like a squeaky mouse voice and I'm like, you know, masking it or something like that. But, um, you know, I don't sound exactly like this. And I always think like, what do people like, what's their expectation of how they sound? Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. Well, and then the other part is. You like the podcast, right? I do. I love okay. it. Okay. Do you, um, generally speaking, you don't think there's like a like a real clunker in there, right? You, you you don't get to one where you're like, oh god, this is terrible. Why am I listening to this? I no, mean, every once no. in a while, not your 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 cup of tea, maybe or something. But you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. I, I've listened to. Uh, I'm trying to see what I was listening to it until our call. I'm trying to see what episode I'm on because I went back to the very first zero zero zero, and I've been working through them. That is what everyone should do, by the way, and yeah. um, and because that's good for me. <laughs> Just, I mean, it might be it might be good for you. Actually, that's not true. It, you should because by episode four, I am yeah. already hitting my stride talking about diabetes. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going over things, and I mean, I think episode four, episode eleven, um, are really like pivotal to understanding how I think about all this. But, but the um, my point was is that. I've never recorded an episode and just thought, oh, this is terrible. I'm not letting anybody hear it. Mm -hmm. So your episode's going to do something for someone else, uh, just like their episodes are, have done for you. 
Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, because I, I I have gotten something out of all of them. I'm just looking at them on episode 207. Look at you. Which is from February 19th. So I'm getting caught up. But uh, Oh, this is super interesting. You know, a 210, the pro tip series starts. You don't even know about that, probably. No, I've been listening in order. So no, I mean... And I do listen, like I said, if I'm focused on something that I'm working on, I'll back the podcast up because I didn't hear, you know, what was actually being said. It was just background noise. So, I mean, it's taking me a while to get through them, but I do think that there's valuable information in each one, Mar- even if it doesn't pertain to me directly. So, yeah, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, Marley, you're doing pro tip. You're doing mid sixes and you haven't been to the pro tips or the or the defining diabetes stuff or anything. Oh, yeah, your A1C is going to go into the fives. Oh, I hope so. That's really what I want. Because honestly, Scott, I have all these other issues that I feel like at some point, those things are going to come knocking. And I don't want to have major diabetes on uh, top of everything issues, else. complications, and then have those things come and have, you know, whatever how many ever years I have on this earth left, hopefully a lot. I don't want that time to be, you know, awful. Marla, I'm not even kidding. If you're definitely going to keep listening, um, when we're done here, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about you booking to be back on like a year from now. Okay. Okay. Cause I'm yeah. so, I'd be super interested to see what happened to you after you got through that stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. I definitely will keep listening. I mean, I'm lucky. My job lets me work from home. I go to, campus like one day a week mm-hmm. the other four days i'm listening to the podcast i Excellent. mean it, sometimes i'll take a break and listen to smartless because they're so funny but Is that the um, jason bateman one yes yeah i've never heard it but it's it's bateman sudeikis and somebody else am i right and uh sean hayes yeah, that's, I love. that seems like something i should be listening to actually they're very yeah. funny yeah. yeah and they have interesting guests but most of the time i'm listening and then there's another one called spooked that i like because i like scary stories mm-hmm. but those are the three podcasts that i listen to yours and those two yeah that's good company i'll take it yeah <laughs> thank you um yeah you're welcome really really cool all right well is there anything else that we should be talking about or are we good uh, no, I think uh, I think we're good. I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me. No, I had a great time. Uh, this was was really interesting for me as well. And I appreciate you being you know, comfortable laying out all of the things that are happening so people can get a full picture. Sure. Yeah, it was really wonderful. Hold on one second for me. Okay, sounds good. I want to thank Marla for coming on the show and let you know that I'm going to have her back. I, I'd going to wait about a year and invite her back on. I want to hear more from her. Thanks very much, Mar. I also want to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you to go to touchedbytype1.org and find them on Instagram and Facebook. And, of course, our new sponsor, Cozy Earth. CozyEarth.com. And then once you get everything in your cart and you know what you want to buy, don't forget at checkout to use my exclusive offer. Put in that juice box code, save 35% off. And by the way, that 35% off is site-wide when you use Juicebox. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. If you're looking for community, please take a look at the Juicebox Podcast Facebook page. It's an absolutely private group. has over 33,000 people in it. If you're using insulin, there's no better place to be. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. If you have Type 2 or a lot or something like that, get in there. Big family.